Brian had a pool, a Commodore 64, a dirt bike, and a stepdad. Brian was my very best good friend. I don't remember how Brian and I met. Um, I, I assume that it was in elementary school, uh, probably later years, maybe fifth or sixth grade, something like that. I, and I don't, I don't remember. It. Maybe it was just that his family moved to town and they started coming to church. I, I don't really remember how I met Brian. But I do remember some other things. I remember jumping off the deck into his pool. I remember he and I jumping off the fort above my dad's shed in the backyard down onto the grass. I remember riding our bikes all over town. I remember going to see him at his house after he broke his collarbone on his dirt bike. And he had one of those three-stage uh, lawn chair lounger things. Uh, any old school people out here remember those? And he had to go click, 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 and go back from the front and the back. And he had one of those set up in the living room right in front of the TV because he had that cast on his arm where it was stuck out like this for several weeks. I remember hanging out with him around his house then. I, I remember one day when we were young and dumb. Anybody ever been young and dumb? We found a little birdie in a bush, shot it with a 12-gauge shotgun about 16 inches. We never found the birdie. Disintegrated, I guess. I remember in high school, he almost wrecked his dad's J-Series. Remember those old blue uh, Jeep pickups? Almost wrecked his dad's J-Series trying to get me to the school for a basketball game on time. And I remember our senior year of high school cruising down the bayfront in Newport, Oregon in my super souped-up four-door Chevy Chevette <laughs> with a couple old church organ speakers in the back. And the windows rolled down, the radio turned up. He was probably looking for hotties. I was not, I'm sure. I remember getting in fights with Brian and getting over him. And I remember getting in fights because of Brian and getting over him. I remember when his family moved away. Did you have a Brian in your life? Some that you hung out with and, and did all those crazy things with? I, I think everybody should, should have a Brian in in their lives, or they should have had a Brian in their life, and I'm sad, because I know lots of people who didn't have Brian's, and I know lots of people who still don't have Brian's. Think back just for a second. You ever told your kids some of the crazy things you did with your Brian? Maybe you had a Brian. Maybe you don't anymore. I remember talking with my kids. I really I watched this happen with my oldest son, Trevor, as he transitioned to middle school and then to high school. And, and then our daughter comes along who was much more social. And I remember having a conversation with her about her friends. Because in middle school, you begin to kind of filter out the friends, right? Like, 
some friends decide that there are just other things more important than you. And so they start after other things. And, 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 and a lot of friends have been lost, sacrificed on the altar of popularity or sports or maybe even drugs. I remember telling my daughter that, that it's okay if some of your friends choose other things or other people instead of, instead of you. It's hard, but it can be healthy. She needed to let them go, if that's what they wanted, and to trust that, that God would bring along other Brians, other friends in time. And you may be wondering this morning, why in the heck are we even talking about Brian? Well, I'll tell you, Brian's and, and having Brian's in our lives teach us something very important about how God designed you and me. You see, God created us for connection. God hardwired us to be connected with other people. We were not intended, we were not created, we were not fashioned to function in life alone. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be married, you have to have kids, you have to do that traditional thing, but it does mean that, that we were created to have other people around us in our lives to help us get through. That Brian that you call when, when things are going wrong. That Brian who sometimes tells you like it is, even when you don't like the way it is and you don't want to hear that see Brian was important for me and your Brian is important for you because Brian's help us understand that God created us for connection with others and part of the reason that we know this to be true is that we remember the fun and the frustration and all of the feelings that went into that friendship because it's through that relationship that we discover our creationship. Now, I just made that word up, okay? Because it, it kind of runs. It's not a real word. Don't say it this week because <laughs> people will laugh at you. Um, but, it, but it fits, and, and what I mean is real, that you were created for connection. I was thinking about this. this is right in the message, think about some of the greatest tragedies that happened on, a, on either a large scale or, or even a small local scale in our lives. The vast majority of those tragedies happen at least in part because that individual had no Brian in their lives. They didn't have anybody to talk sense into them, to make them feel like they were important, like they were wanted, like there was somebody else in the world that cared about them. But those tragic acts committed by people who, who didn't have Brian's, who didn't have connections, they caused so much hurt precisely because of the connections that they themselves didn't perceive in their own lives. And so part of the reason those, those tragic events are so tragic is because the loss the rest of us feel, because those connections are broken. Today we're going to take a look at David. We've been talking about 
King David, and uh, he's not king yet, but David soon to become king, and we've been talking about uh, the prophets Samuel and King Saul in Israel's history. And today we're going to look at David still well before he comes, becomes king, and the Bryans that David had around him. So we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 22 this morning. We're just going to look at the first two verses in that. And so if you want to um, get on your uh, cell device or your uh, tablet or whatever, you can follow along there. You can also remember, go to reallifecc.us, scroll down to my message notes, click on that link, and you'll have all the major notes from the message this morning, scripture references. And there's even some questions to interact with uh, on there. And when you get done with that, you can email those notes, uh, your notes and my notes, to yourself, and you'll have a copy of those things. Or, if you didn't pay attention the last 30 seconds, you can just follow along on the screen, because it'll be there too. So here's 1 Samuel 22. David left Gath, and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. Now here's the one I want you to key in on. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. So last week we we left David in this kind of place of obscurity in his life. Remember he had been anointed by Samuel to be the next the next king, when he was about 10 years old. <coughs> Excuse me. But he continued to be a shepherd until he defeated Goliath. That victory, uh, after that victory, went to work in the palace, both as a... Uh, <coughs> I hope that doesn't continue this morning. Thank you. Tracy, I got it right there. <coughs> Thank you. I'm actually getting better, if you can believe that. It was not so great a week, but anyway. Woo! Rolling on. Okay. So David gets anointed king at about 10 years old. Remember? And he goes back to being a shepherd of his father's sheep. And he still is in a place of obscurity. Then he beats Goliath, and he gets invited to the palace, where he continues to play the harp for Saul And he also becomes a captain in Saul's army. But Saul becomes jealous of David's fame and tries to kill him. And so David flees King Saul and is on the run for many years. And it's in the beginning of this um, major cat and mouse between Saul and David uh, all over the land of Israel and surrounding country that, that 1 Samuel 22, 1 and 2 happens. Okay, so David is just fleed the palace of Saul. He's running away from Saul. Saul is beginning his chase of David. And these men find out that David has left, and they just kind of all go to follow David. But the group of men who join with David could all fit in what I like to call a basket of deplorables. That was funny, by the way. So the text just lists them out. And you see it really plain as day. He says, those who were in distress, those in debt, and those who were discontented. And you're like, hey, 
let's open the garage and have a party, right? I mean, that's, a, that's like, like, okay, I don't know if those are the kind of people that I want to just hang around with all my life. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But these are the guys who came to follow David. And I guess the saying is true, misery loves company. And so if you were miserable in the society of the day, you went after David. Now, some might believe that um, these are the same types of people who voted for our current president. Now, I don't buy that, okay, just in case you wanted to know. The people who gathered around David were all those people who had a problem with the current state of the nation. We've been saying uh, all year that there are a lot of similarities between our nation and the nation of Israel. Created to be a nation after God and yet somehow, some way, getting off on a tangent and going in the other direction. This group of men came together because of their shared struggle. But when you read the story, you find out that these men didn't cause trouble. In fact, they had multiple opportunities to kill King Saul and to make David king by force, which would seem to fit, right? You're distressed, you're in debt, you're discontent. Let's go kill Saul and make David king. But they didn't do that. Not once did these men surrounding David light a car on fire or break windows and loot a store and do any of that stuff. The only time they got into it with Saul's soldiers is when Saul's soldiers were trying to kill David. And then they defended David. See, David helped these deplorables make better decisions. And that's a lot about what being a friend is. The problem usually is that we get together with others because we share a struggle, right? There's something that ties us together, being in debt, being discontent with our jobs, our, our spouses, our kids. Friendships are built on lots of different things. But real friends don't just commiserate with each other, and they don't just contemplate their situation. They conquer their struggles, their fears, and their future. Our relationships with other people should make us better people. And when we come together, it shouldn't just be to whine about the struggles that we're having, but to find a way through those struggles and out of those struggles. You and I were created for connection with others, in part, because of this truth, and I think we see it with David and those who gather around him, you will never accomplish more than you will with more. And what I mean is people. I'm not talking about money, I'm not talking about cars and all that kind of stuff. But you will never accomplish more in this life than you can with more. So as we gather more people around, more things can be accomplished. More good can be done in our lives and the lives of others. See, David survived all those years running for Saul because he had friends around him who made him a better person, and he made them better people too. Now, if you've had friends, you know that you've disagreed. 
Now, there have been times in your life, your friends, you've disagreed, you've been upset with each other and different things. You've, you've done something stupid. You've made the other person mad. It's, it's been a rough day, right? And you take it out on them just because they're there. Here's the deal about friendships, though. You can't build on what you won't work on. You can't build on what you won't work on. And sometimes we view friendships very selfishly. Like you exist for me, but I don't necessarily exist for you. And so we're not willing to work on those friendships. And because of that, we can't really build a lasting foundation and a lasting relationship with those people because we're not willing to work on those things. Friendships aren't always easy, but they are always worth it. And so if you've got a shared struggle or a shared goal, it makes accomplishing those things so much better. Because it doesn't matter how your friendship started, it matters that your friendship stays. And sometimes maybe we're too quick to give up on that friendship and to move on. Now I'm not saying there's not times when, when like, okay, it's time to move. But I think often in our lives, especially today, we don't take those friendships and those relationships seriously enough. Because you'll never accomplish more than you can with more. We were created for connection. We're not supposed to do this life alone. We're supposed to have others that we can call up and we can go, I'm having a rough day, and things aren't going well, and I need a hand. And somebody that we can email, somebody that we can text, and we know that they're just going to be there for us. And that brings us to our bottom line today, which is kind of corny, okay? I, I get that. Sometimes they're just a little corny. But I want you to remember it. So here's the bottom line. If you remember nothing else today, take this away with you. Everyone needs someone needs Everyone. Say the little book ends. Everyone needs someone, needs everyone. Everyone needs someone, and, and we get that. Like you go, yeah, I, I know, I understand. The, the deplorables that surrounded David needed David because everybody needs somebody. He became their leader and he made them better people. Everyone needs someone. A Brian who'll cruise with them and, and conquer things with them or just chill with them. We were created for connection. We were not made to be alone. Everyone needs someone, and we get that. But someone needs everyone. And we have a little bigger struggle with that one. Because I tested this with my, my wife this week, and I... And I found this to be true. When we hear this term, someone needs everyone, most of the time, and maybe it's true for you this morning, your mind goes to one particular person. Like you've already got a name. You already know who it is. Maybe you thought of a friend who became an addict. And no matter how hard you or others have tried, they just can't seem to get it together. They get cleaned up, and then they trip up. And it's a vicious cycle. And you, you do what you can. And your other friends do what they can. But it just seems like it just keeps going round and round and round. And, and sometimes when we hear uh, someone needs everyone, that's where your mind goes. That person. Maybe it's that friend who just can't seem to make the right decision to save their life. You got one of those friends? 
No matter how much encouragement, no matter how much help they receive, they just keep making the wrong decision. It's like a disease for them. They just can't do it. They can't seem to help it. Maybe you thought of that friend who just can't catch a break. You got one of those? It's just one sad story after another. Every day it's something else and it's always different, but it really is always the same. And maybe it's not their fault. The same person keeps having the same problems and it gets old. And, and, and we get that. We understand that. Like we know that that someone needs everyone, but that's not this story. The distressed and the in-dead and the discontented needed David, and we understand that. He was their someone. But David, who had his act together, who was God's anointed next king of Israel, needed them too. In fact, if you read 1 Chronicles 11 or, or 2 Samuel chapter 23, you can read about some of the exploits of David and his, his mighty men. There's about 33 of these guys who are with him who accomplished some incredible, phenomenal things. If you're into military stuff, go read those two chapters. It's incredible what those men were able to accomplish. But remember this. David could not have gotten as far as he did without those men, without everyone. No matter how good the quarterback is, if he doesn't have an offensive line and nobody can hold on to the ball, he's not going to get very far. And the networks love to pit Magic and Bird against one another, but Larry would never have been such a great legend without Parrish and McHale and Ainge and DJ. And just to bring this home a little more, I could be, could be, the greatest preacher ever. But without those who serve, and without those who volunteer week in and week out, and every weekend they're here doing the same things, this church wouldn't be here, or it wouldn't be nearly as great. And so if you love this church, you love it because of them. They're what make this place work. And we've been talking about friendship and how God created us for connection this morning. And nowhere is that more clearly seen than in the church. From start to finish, the church is about connection. It started with Jesus and he picks the 12 disciples and then he's closest with three uh, 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 Peter, James, and John. And then you have Jesus who, who goes to the cross, right? And he's put in the tomb, and then he's resurrected. And those 12 guys become the ones who start the church and begin it after three years of relationship and friendship with Jesus. And they build the church one connection, one person at a time. And, and you see that even in the lives of the disciples, they gather more friends around them and they make more connections with others and it just grows and it grows and it grows and the Bible refers then to the church in the end as the bride of Jesus that it was created to be in connection with him for eternity from beginning to end the church is about connection it's about relationship 
We're told that the people who make up the church are brought together by the Holy Spirit and built together like a spiritual building where each brick is connected to the two below it and the two beside it and the two above it. Just like David and his men, the church doesn't exist if we don't exist together. I want you to catch this in the story in this picture of David. David is like Jesus. He's a rebel in the world. He's wanted and hunted, not to be followed often, but to be killed. Just like Saul didn't want David to be king, the world doesn't want Jesus to be king. We're fighting for a rogue king in a failing kingdom. And the only way we survive, the only way we hope to thrive as a people is with each other. And so let me drop some truth on you this morning. You will never grow more in your faith and in your friendships than when you're connected to others in service. David's mighty men accomplished so much because they continued to be together. They continued that relationship. They counted on each other. They pushed each other. And they worked together. If we're going to be built together by Holy Spirit into a spiritual house, we've got to be connected to those around us. Ask those who serve on the band or, or in our kids' ministry or on our welcome or setup teams, and you'll find out that the best relationships and the most growth happens when we serve the King alongside others. And if you don't believe me, just try it. This is my encouragement pitch. Serve this Easter. There are a whole bunch of areas that you can jump into just for that morning. You can find a list on our website. Just scroll down to the Serve This Easter image, click on it, and then fill out the form at the bottom. We're looking for more people to help on our welcome team, to help with hospitality. We need a few more hands for setting up at 6 a.m. that Easter morning. Because remember, we're having two services at 9 and 11, so it's going to be a little different. We're also kicking off two brand new service teams this Easter. The Connection Hub, which Adam mentioned, and you can see the signs in the back and the tables in the back. That's where you go. Uh, you can go on your phone, but that's where you can go if you uh, want to sign up for a life group or you want to uh, find a place to serve or, or uh, you want to give and don't have your phone or don't have a phone with that capability. You can do that back there. You can just find out more about what's going on here at Real Life. And so we have the Connection Hub, and we're going to kick off an usher team as well uh, to work here in the big room. And so we're looking for a bunch more people to be involved, and you can be the one. If you fill out that form to serve on Easter, then we want to invite you next Sunday to a volunteer lunch after church. We're going to take about an hour or hour and a half, something like that, with lunch. We're going to explain the plan of Easter and then we're going to break up into our service teams so we can go through it with the whole group and kind of show you exactly what we're going to be doing, exactly what we want to see accomplished. You'll know everything that you're supposed to do and probably a few things that you're not supposed to do. And you'll get all that information next Sunday and we'll feed you and that's always good.
So we're looking for at least 15 more volunteers for Easter. And I hesitate to give you that number because I know what somebody's going to say. You're going to look around the room. You're going to go, well, there's more than 15 people here. And so probably no, I don't have to do it. Um, but that's the wrong attitude. Let me just say that. If that's what you thought already, then we'll pray for forgiveness later for you. Because look, you were created for connection. This is the way that God created you to be involved and to serve others and to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And, and so let me just encourage you, don't wait and be like, oh, somebody else is going to do it. I'll wait until somebody else does it and then, and then they'll be too full and there won't be any room for me. Jump in early. Get it done. Be a part of what God is doing here. Get connected. Get plugged in. Help the whole and serve the Savior. So you can't build on what you won't work on. You were created for connection, and so give yourself the opportunity to make those connections. You know, it's a beautiful way that God built the church. He created the church for you, and he created you for the church. The church needs you to accomplish its mission in the world. It needs you to give and to serve. But you also need the church because it's where you grow and it's where you are served. It fulfills the connections that God created you to have in your life. Each one of us is connected to the ones below and the ones beside and the ones above. But only if we allow ourselves to be built into the fabric of that building with others. And so if this is your church, this is your challenge. Serve. Get involved. Make connections. And see what God does in your life and in the lives of those that you touch. Look, everyone needs someone, needs everyone. Real life isn't supposed to be lonely. And so if we're going to help every person possible find real life in Jesus, it's going to take every person present. But I believe that it's possible. Because you and I will never accomplish more than we can with more. And so as more come, more will be able to be accomplished. Don't be content to simply come in on Sunday morning and consume church like you do a fast food meal and then go home. Be a contributor and see how much more there is for your life. Let me remind you of a couple things before I leave the stage this morning. Out in the lobby on your way out, there are Easter uh, invite cards, white cards with information about our Easter service. Grab a few of those. Give them to your friends, your family members, your neighbors, whatever, this week and invite them to come and be a part of what God is going to do in just two Sundays here at Real Life. If you're on social media or maybe you just think it's fun, stop at the sticker that's on the ground on uh, just inside the double doors, okay? If you don't look down at the ground, you probably missed it. So take a minute and look down and then look up and make some more friends. But for that moment, look down at the sticker on the ground, step on the little footprints, take a picture, 
and then post that to your social media site. And uh, it's got the information about our Easter service. And we want as many people as possible to come to that. So be a part of that. If you want to find a place to serve, if you want to take your next step, if you want to get plugged into a life group, stop at the Connection Hub back in the back. Uh, Melody, others will be back there and can help you get through that process. I think we've already got a few people who have done that this morning. So thank you uh, for that and for using that. Uh, that service appreciate that um, and then make sure that you go to the website that you click on serve this Easter and that you get plugged in that you begin to make connections and that you find yourself a Brian